0: I honestly believe that people embracing this is going to revolutionize academics Mm -hmm. revolutionize education revolutionize the way we do talent acquisition that's brilliant it can change a lot of things because it goes down to that meritocracy about giving people a shot and having them prove themselves rather than setting up artificial barriers based on what we think makes sense rather than what actually works
1: Katie, hi. Welcome back to another episode of Blooming Crisis. Thank you. I have some great news to share with you that the first episode of our series has received lots of positive feedback from our audience. Some people actually shared that it was very refreshing, packed with pragmatic advice, and it helped them get better clarity of thoughts as well as uh, positive energy motivation, and particularly, I have quite a handful of people share that they love your voice. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's great to hear. I'm glad that they do. Um, My voice today is going to be a little bit different because I am getting over a cold, but glad to hear that.
1: (laughs) I'm so sorry to hear that, and uh, I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, very grateful that you're here, and I'm excited to continue our conversations today. Sounds good. You know, when I listened to our last episode again, I couldn't help but thought how all events in our lives connect with each other in some way and somehow it eventually comes back in full circle. And I'm talking about how we first knew each other through the experiential learning opportunity that I participated in at PACE, which was the competition that you created at MyShare. So for this episode, I really want to delve more into that because... I think it will be very beneficial for many of our listeners, uh, especially those that are still in school or thinking about the next step in their career.
0: That sounds great. Yeah, it's a topic that I'm very passionate about. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and engaging in it. So, yeah, this will be a good conversation.
1: Awesome. So to start, I think that we should talk about what is experiential learning. Can you share?
0: Absolutely, yeah, so for me, experiential learning is you know, another way of categorizing it is self-discovery. Mm. I think that you know when you go to a school, whether that's at the secondary school level or high school level or higher education, you're going into a class and you know there's a professor or instructor talking to you about a topic, giving you the details about the skills or the methodologies or criteria to understand a subject. And then they may potentially walk you through a practical example of how it manifests itself in the professional world or in the outside world, right? That's very valuable, I think that it's important for people to have that. I mean that's why universities exist. that's why it's a huge industry, and education is very important and I think that education obviously is evolving um, and there's different types of education, you know the brick and mortar go sitting in class is not the only method to educate yourself, especially now that we have the internet. but it is a valuable exercise to undertake now. experiential learning is a little bit different mm-hmm. because experiential learning is the act of going into an environment where the concept or you know or the topic that you're trying to learn is being actually used and you're being given a tangible sort of scenario or case where you actually execute the skills that you would have learned in the classroom that I'm talking about mm-hmm right? So let's talk about like maths or something, you know, solving an equation or they give you a set of numbers and you're solving it and then you submit that to the teacher. It's a little bit different when it's like, okay, now you're in an office and there's a client and they have this issue and you need to use these concepts to create some value and then present your results. There's a little bit of a difference in terms of what you learn, right? Because when you're in a classroom, it's passive. You know, you're almost just sort of imagining how you would use this versus experiential learning. You're actually doing it. And there's a distinction there because I do think that experiential learning, you know, it doesn't always have to be a competition, like a case competition, but there's some level of stakes that are involved that make it a little bit more impactful because you get to have a sneak peek into the stresses and the challenges and the obstacles that you would face in the future when you're engaging in that topic. So if I was to use an example of my field, it's one thing to sit in a classroom or sit in a training session and learn about media math, learn about the advertising industry, learn about the different clients that we work with, learn about how to put together a brief or answer a brief versus receiving a brief and literally Using media math, your understanding of the industry to answer the brief, to respond to the brief. There's a difference, right? So I do think that experiential learning is much more useful once you have some sort of formal education or introduction to a topic. Mm-hmm. That's when experiential learning is more valuable. But what experiential learning is, is that self-discovery. It's that act of actually doing it and feeling that you know uncertainty, the anxiety. You learn a lot from that, Right you learn from your mistakes. And as I mentioned before, if it's done in an environment where there's other people around, you actually even learn from seeing how other people answer something differently than you would, because that's the actual work environment. To summarize what I'm saying is basically, I think the experiential learning is really giving you a sneak peek into what it's like in the actual environment that you're trying to replicate or to kind of like capture in a bottle. And that self-discovery of going through that is really valuable, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you touch on a very interesting point when you mentioned self-discovery. So I wonder what it was like for you and what was your own self-discovery journey through experiential learning?
0: Absolutely. So the reason why I touch on self-discovery is when I participated in experiential learning, I'll give you two examples that were really transformational mm-hmm. for me. So one example is when I was in grad school. I was in a class where we were learning about... It was like operational... What was the class again? It was like managerial economics. And instead of us just learning the concepts, the the teacher, the professor gave us like a game that we were supposed to play where each of us were going to run a company. It was a shoe company. And... We were given a budget. We were given our operations. You know, it was a global shoe company. And so you have a factory in the U.S. And here's all the different criteria of how your factory runs, blah, 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 right? So it was basically a game. And we, you know, we had to do different things over a number of weeks or months in the game. In real life, it was just like every other week. But in the game, it would... That
1: was like a simulation.
0: It was a simulation, right? And the way that the game went and the way that we interacted with that game taught me a lot faster than I would have had sitting in a classroom and then just like giving me the information because we were actually engaging in it. So there was some self-discovery because, you know, me and my partner, we would go and do some research. Like, what about this? I don't know what this means. You know, we'll go and look that up and then implement that into the game. You know, it was really funny. One of the things that we did was in the first couple of weeks, we were focusing on, oh, we need a really good product that's good quality. And that's how we're going to win the game. And then we noticed that that really didn't work that well. And so what we did was we took out these huge loans and built factories in different places. And, you know, we would say we're going to compete based on volume. And then that worked really well, even though we had a huge debt load on our company. But it was just funny because that game really taught us a lot about how the world actually works, right? About how these concepts play out. And it's one thing to be told something. It's another thing to experience it. So that's one example where it was really cool because I learned a lot of topics and it actually got me really excited about the topic. The second example is it was a case competition, and I learned about how to answer a brief about media math, about marketing strategy. But you right, know, that's
1: the one that I participated in. <laughs>
0: exactly right. So when I was put in that situation where you know we were given a case about Super Bowl buzz, how do we measure buzz after the Super Bowl? And they barely give us data, and it was very ambiguous. So I tapped into what I'd learned in the past to sort of structure the way I approached the case. But then there was a lot of self-discovery in terms of just like Googling different things and trying different things and building out models and trying one thing and it didn't work and presenting to my friends and, and all those types of things. And that whole exercise really gave me a sneak peek into what it's like to actually perform that job function. It's one thing to sit in the classroom and just get that information, but it's another thing to live it, experience it, even for a short period of time. It was really transformational. So those two examples, I think, are good examples of experiential learning for me because, number one, it made me more excited about the topic. Mm -hmm. It made it more practical for me. I'm the type of learner where I like to interact with things. If you're just telling me about something, I don't really – it's not going to be as important if there's no stakes, right? But when there's competition, it does give you some stakes, right? Yeah,
1: you have to be involved, be part of the learning experience.
0: Yeah, you're in it, you know, there's limited information, you need to go use that information, find new information. It makes the learning experience a little bit more valuable, in my opinion. And I learned a lot more when I engaged in experiential learning activities. Yeah, And I feel like it leveled up my understanding of the topic significantly. So that's just been my experience. Other people learn differently, but I feel when I talk with other people about this, I get the feedback that when they do this, when they engage in experiential learning activities, they unlock something that isn't there when you're just learning theory off of a textbook.
1: Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to that. I would agree with you that I think experiential learning is probably the highest form of learning because let's take an example of like, reading books, right? Because I know that I love reading, but I have never seen myself as a bookworm per se. I know that for me, after reading, I need to take time to actually reflect and kind of turn what I read into practical actions in life. How can I apply it to my life in order for me to remember what I just read? Otherwise, information comes and goes. And I think that makes total sense. I know that for me to learn... I need to take the active role, not just someone who just sit back and pray for the knowledge to retain in my brain. It doesn't work for me. So yeah, totally relate to what Absolutely. you're saying.
0: That's a really good point. And yeah, and I think just to build on what you're saying, taking an active role. I love that concept. Just to use a different example, because you know, you and I were professionals, we work in industry or in an office mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. Let's take an example outside of that, right? Sports, for example. If you have a coach who studies soccer, they study formations, different teams, different attacking styles and all that type of stuff, and then you put them in a situation to be a coach. Or if you take someone who is a former player who has played on the ground, they've actually played the game. And they've been in those situations, they understand the human emotions, different parts of the game, like when it's an extra time like the you're tired and the emotions are high, but the legs are tired. And how do you react in those situations? You know, somebody who hasn't played the game is not going to have the wherewithal to call the right plays and interact with their team members, with their players in the same way as a coach who's actually played it, right? If you haven't played the game, you're going to be very robotic, you're going to be very theoretical, and you're not going to understand the intangibles because everything in this life is a balance of some level of skill or science and then like art and emotions. There's a balance, right? And it's easy to say, oh, I'm just going to enter this scenario and do X. But if you've never actually experienced it, and you don't fully understand it. So experiential learning is almost like a looking glass mm. into that thing that you're preparing yourself for. It gives you a small taste. And I think it's also important, not just for the people on the other end who are looking for to recruit someone, but it's also interesting for the person who's trying to enter something because there are some people, for example, who've been next to me in case competitions and they're like, oh, I wouldn't want to do that because it's too stressful. Just the experience of answering this case was so stressful. Imagine that times 10 on an ongoing basis. But for me, I was the opposite. I was like supercharged. I was like, I want more. (laughs) You know, it was different. Mm -hmm. We had different reactions to it. So I like that analogy of of the sports team because I've seen it play out. When you have the academic, the way they approach the game, the way they approach something is it's different and potentially there's some value to it, but that you can never replicate actual experience, actual learned experience, actual touching and feeling and interacting. And that's an intangible that's extremely valuable.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, going back to taking the active role and similar to what you just provided, I think that being able to see myself. Even in the simulation, in a movie that I'm watching, or in the book that I'm reading, it enhances my understanding capability probably five hundred times more than I would without being able to picture myself in it. Absolutely. And I'm just making that number up, obviously. But uh, <laughs> to get the Sounds point.
0: Sounds
1: plausible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's great to hear that there are actually a couple options for experiential learning, right? So you already mentioned the simulation, the competition. Mm-hmm. Is there any other ways that people can explore with experiential learning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is where, you know, obviously this is my opinion. Almost like your first question, like what is experiential learning? I'll kind of take it to phase two and kind of outline for me what I think are the factors of experiential learning. Like how do you create something? That whatever the activity is, if it has these factors, then it is some level of experiential learning. So I do think that competition or stakes is very important in experiential learning. Mm. Because what that does is it helps the person to kind of have have an emotional connection or like some level of um, interest. It heightens the stakes of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important. The second thing is... Similar to like a case study, you're given a set of scenarios, like constraints. You have this data, you know this about the company, they're trying to solve X problem, and then here are all the obstacles. What do you do in the scenario? When you lay it out like that, I think that's also a very important feature of experiential learning because it helps people to understand the variables of what they need to do. Mm. And then I think an important thing as well is... When you're doing some sort of experiential learning activity, it needs to be somewhat time-bound, or you have a day to complete this, or you have two weeks, or whatever that might be. Once you have that, then it makes it really useful. So the reason I'm saying all those things is, whether it's a case competition where you're submitting a presentation and you're answering a question, let's say it's a mathematical thing and you're giving them an answer to the case, That there's one thing like that. It could be a presentation where you're getting up and explaining how you came to your solution. It could be like a group project where you're performing some set of functions and they're evaluating how you delivered against those set of functions. So to be honest with you, I think there's so many ways that you can format an experiential learning activity. But I think the important thing is like having some of those elements that I just talked about is what makes it real. So just to give you a tangible example. Yeah. To ask the question, okay, why are we doing experiential learning? Like we just said, we believe that it creates more engagement and is, it helps people to learn from that active engagement in whatever problem. Okay, so like, that's why we're doing it. Okay. So then the second thing is, what is the outcome that we're trying to get out of this? So I want to be able to evaluate what people's understanding of a subject was before and after they engaged in this activity. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's also important to ask them questions or e- evaluate, what do you think of this? And they will give you an answer. And then you have them engage in that activity and then ask them afterwards, what do you think of this after that's done? So let's go back to that case competition that I did back in the day with Group M. If you asked me, what is marketing? Mm-hmm. I would have gone this spiel about madmen. You know, it's all about the creative and you've got to do <laughs> all this and blah, 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 blah. If you asked me after that activity what marketing was all about, I would talk about analytics. I'll talk about strategy. You know what I mean? Like I would be a little bit more tangible with my answers mm-hmm. because I actually now have an understanding of the scaffolding around what it takes to solve that problem. So that's the way I think about experiential learning in terms of what it is and what its value is and like how you engage in it. Because I don't think it's pigeonholed to say like this one form of learning is experiential learning. or Like it has to be a case competition or it has to be mm-hmm. a presentation or it's a game. I think it can represent itself in many different ways. But I think that level of hiding the stakes with some level of competition or some metric, whether it's ranking, like we're going to score these presentations and the person who has the best presentation gets first place, second place, whatever that might be. You know, so it adds some level of stakes if there's a very clear outline of what you're solving and the variables that need to be taken into account within the confines of this case or this activity, and then having some sort of time-bound barrier so that way it just can't go on forever. Yeah I feel like if you can come up with some form of activity that touches on these areas, that's an experiential learning activity.:
1: I love that. I find that very interesting because in my mind, you know, I was thinking and wondering if doing an internship would also be considered experiential learning.
0: So that's a good point. That's a good point. So let's talk about an internship or what a good internship would be, right? So a bad internship is like those ones where you go and work and you work for free and they just kind of like... Have you fetching coffee and just like doing random tasks? Bad internship. Mm. Do you know what the good internships are? Like
1: the early day in Mad Men?
0: <laughs> exactly, right? That's bad internship. A good internship is almost structured like an experiential learning activity. Mm-hmm. You're going to be an intern for the summer. You've got three months. At the end of this summer, some of you are going to get hired. Some of you are going to get left behind. This is the criteria of how you're going to be evaluated. We're going to give you the tools to succeed. Usually an intern will be given a, a mentor of some sort, and they would have a set of projects that they need to complete. And at the end of that internship, they would need to present their findings. If you think about internships in the financial industry, that's how they're structured.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This, it's a competition. It's not an internship. We're not here just to like, uh, la di learn. It's a competition. So the experience that those interns have within that internship is vastly different. Mm-hmm. Then an internship, like, for example, I had one internship when I was in college, which was a bad internship. We came in and basically it was at this place. It was like an analytics company and they would just give us random tasks to do. You know, it was me and two other people who I became really good friends with. And we're just sort of sitting in the room, like laughing, joking. And then when work comes in, we'll sort of do the work, whatever. I can't tell you I learned much Mm -hmm. because there were no stakes. I had the job. I was getting paid. It was due to my own initiative where I would go and ask questions, but people weren't actively trying to teach me stuff. They weren't actively leading me through a set of ways to complete a task. It was just sort of ad hoc. But when I talked to some of my friends who did internships in the financial industry, whether it was like iBanking or whatever, it was what I just described. It was a certain period of time. They had a set of projects they had to complete It was very much a competition. There was a number of positions that were available at the end. Not everyone got hired. And like I mentioned, it was time-bound. You had three months, four months, or whatever that period is, and then it was done. It was over. It wasn't this indefinite thing that just went on forever. And so when you're thinking of an internship as an experiential learning activity, it absolutely is, if done properly, in my opinion, at least.
1: Yeah, that's a great clarification right there. And I love how you actually started by explaining the why behind experiential learning. It reminds me of our first episode when we talk about intentionality. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think to build up on what you talked about, your experience with the competition, I think that I have a slightly different story to share. Mine was also very positive. However, I didn't win the competition. So for me, the gain is very different the game for me wasn't the job, or honestly, at this point, I can't remember what was the awards at that time if you won the competition. I think
0: yeah, we were guaranteeing internships for like one of our open positions, or oh, guaranteeing interviews sorry not internships interviews
1: right and and I was so sad, but at the same time, I think that now I reflect back on it, I am thankful for not winning because I would become so arrogant, to be honest, if I never had a taste of being defeated. And to me, the gain at that time was so powerful because I realized what I should have done better, what I should work more on, what I lacked. And besides that, I gained connection, obviously. The fact that we are still in touch today, it's a proof of that. I gained my taste of what working in a media agency is like. And funny enough, I landed my job in the publisher side. So now I'm working very closely with the agencies. And that knowledge, having a taste of you know, what it's like on the agency side, it allows me to bring value to what I'm doing at the BBC. So when I think about that, when we talk about experiential learning, I think that the end goal and the award is not always just what you see at that point, but it goes beyond that, right? And when I think about that, I am very thankful for participating in the competition, and I'm thankful for not winning it. Weirdly, but I mean (laughs) Absolutely.
0: No, that's great. I love that. And it's like the saying, you know, pressure makes diamonds, right? And some people like one type of diamond, some people like another type of diamond. But they're all diamonds and they're all valuable. And I think to your point, there's a lot of things that are happening with experiential learning because I think that the information exchange is very rich, right? So for example, think about if you're a company like we did, like the competition we ran for you guys. We were looking for talents to hire within our organization. So the winning team, obviously, there's some people from there who... We're like, okay, those people won because they mastered this case really well. But then as they were answering it, we saw other things shine. So there may be someone on a, the team that was second place that presented really well. They didn't win because maybe their data was off, but they presented with such confidence and they articulated well. It's like, oh, that's awesome. And then somebody else may have built a model and they got the numbers wrong, but the methodology they use is really interesting. Oh, that person's interesting. And so like, there's a lot of information going on. And then think about the information from... The other side, like what you just said, for the people participating, some people may or may not have engaged in these types of competitions, but you, the exhilaration or the excitement and the competition around preparing for this case unlocked an understanding within yourself of what you're capable of. And so now it builds a certain level of confidence where even if you don't win, you're like, I did a damn good job because you're looking at the person who won and you're like, I was either as good or parallel to what they did. Or I feel like I did this part better than what they did, but then they may have answered it in a different way, which is why they won. But, you know, you're starting to evaluate yourself against other people. Mm -hmm. And so the point I want to make is that's a really important part of this whole experience is putting your talent out there and getting feedback. Where sometimes even if the feedback is negative or is not exactly what you're expecting, it's still information for you to use to shape what you're doing. And so it's a really important lesson in life, in my opinion. We can't always win, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're not going to win every single day. And so like even when you're in the job, in the professional environment, you're not going to kill every meeting. You're not going to win every client. And so that feeling of doing something, maybe not fully succeeding, but going through that process and finding out what worked, what didn't work. That's really important. That's why I think it's also very important for people to give. That's
1: self-discovery, right?
0: (laughs) It is self-discovery. It really is. It's really important for people to give negative and positive feedback. Sometimes people try to mask it and they call it constructive criticism, where it's like, don't say anything negative almost. And uh, when people are giving constructive criticism, I want to push them. I love feedback. Yes. I want to push them to say, no, you did not do that well. Or you didn't use that piece of data the right way or whatever. That's important for the person to know that. So that way, the next time they go into that environment, they can use that to be better. So to your point about engaging in that competition and not winning, but it was still a valuable experience, that's something I love to hear. Because I believe so much in experiential learning, I tell people this all the time, it's not just us gaining from this. Everybody in this, engaging in this activity, Mm -hmm. is winning in some way. So like, for example, when I go to give these talks at universities, when we're trying to recruit people for these competitions, what I always like to tell the room is, For those of you sitting in this room right now, you've already won. You've already won. Because some of your counterparts are in here in college. You know, they're learning, they're going to class, and that's all they're taking from this experience. But you guys are going a step further. You're looking for these different activities to match your skills against and like almost like test your skills in the open market and be willing to be vulnerable and get that negative feedback potentially or positive feedback. You're already winning. Because you're unlocking another tier of your experience, of that Mm self-discovery, you know? So I like to tell them, just being here is already great. Now, going further and participating, that's great. Now, what's even better is like what you said. Not succeeding and continuing, that's even way better. You're just unlocking different levels as you go along. And so I really appreciate you saying that because I always want to push people to be like, it's a journey. It's not just a sprint. All these touch points are important.
1: To me, that's a win. Personally, that's a win to me because in life, it's not a finite game, right? So we know that if we lose from this part of life, we gain from another aspect of life. The point is, where is that part of life that we are gaining? That's the problem that I love to solve. And when I'm able to see what I can gain from my failures, that's a win to me. I think it's a conversation we should have more, right? To normalize failures. Yes. Someone like you or someone like me who are probably perceived as being successful, I think it's important for us to also talk about how we take our failures and how we grow from that. So personally, I have always seen that as my personal win, even though in the competition, I was not the winner. But in life, in my life, I was.
0: Absolutely. Just like you mentioned it earlier in the talk, you talked about being active, taking action. That's life, you know. And I'll give you a quick anecdote is the meetings that I've learned the most from are the ones where I bombed. Mm. So, for example, I mentioned, you know, I did that case competition, which is how I got into Group M. My team won. I'm riding high. I'm feeling great. And then I do my first presentation and I'm getting a lot of blank stares when I'm working. Then it deflates you and you go home and you start to second guess yourself. But that right there is when it matters the most because you're like, okay, I know I'm meant to be here. I know I'm good at this, but what am I doing wrong? And then you start to interrogate that. And from there you build. I've been in pitches where you present and the clients jump out of their seats and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I killed that. And then you go to others and they're like on their phone texting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, I'm yeah. clearly very boring, right? So like you said, you can't win everything. And that's a very important lesson for people at a very young age, at, at all ages really, but you know, very early in life, it's very good to tell people that it's okay to compete because the competition is about stretching yourself. It's not about winning or losing, it's about learning. It's about interact, seeing how you push. It's about growing. Exactly. Seeing how you try something and it works. You try something and it doesn't work. And then you try that again and then it does work. That experience is really enriching. And so that's, sometimes people try to do this whole participation trophy thing that I really don't understand. I think, like you said, normalize losing. Like you yeah. lost. But you're not a loser. You just lost the game. And that's fine because... Our physical universe is quantifiable. Like everything can be quantified. Some people get the job, some people don't. Some people get the promotion, some people don't. That's life.
1: And sometimes if you didn't win that, it led you to something better. Who knows?
0: Exactly. Exactly, right? So it's like you didn't get the promotion, but then because of that, you started looking elsewhere, and then you found the job that really was mattered to you, and you're able to grow. And so I love what you said about normalizing losing, and I think that part of normalizing that is also pushing competition. I think that competition is somewhat viewed negatively. You know, when someone says I'm competitive, like it's almost like a negative thing. It's nonsense. And I'm just like, no, competition is honestly one of the most purest things in the natural universe. we talked about growth being really important. Think about plants, you know, they're competing for resources in the soil to grow. And if one plant grows, the other one doesn't get the soil. Like that's just normal. That's nature. And I think for us, as humans in a professional environment, in an academic environment, competition can, healthy competition, that's not nasty, that's not meant to like push someone down to exalt another. Right. I think healthy competition is really valuable. And that's why I think that with experiential learning, it helps to provide stakes because it helps give people, like I said, a looking glass into how the world actually works. For example, like engineers at MIT, they're all winners. They're all smart. They can all create a a robot, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, Who's going to create the robot that can do this task the fastest or the best or the highest? They're all trying to solve that problem. One person wins, but that journey, they've all just leveled up. And now they may go on to create a different type of robot or a different type of medical device. But that experience showed them something about themselves. And whether or not they won or lost, it doesn't matter. It's about that journey that you're taking, that active role and doing it with others. I think that community aspect of experiential learning is also important. Doing the work is almost as important as them interacting with the people who work there. Learning about how they engage in certain meetings, learning about little cheat codes, learning about, you know, certain personalities. You know, that's what it's all about. It's not just about going there and doing a job and going home. It's about that community, that experience, that kind of like bumping your shoulders. Yeah, Yeah, it's really important.
1: Yeah, that's really great insights because I think that what you just talked about allows us to reflect on all the experiential learning experience that we have already participated without even knowing that was actually exactly. experiential learning. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about because Absolutely. There's some terms that are so abstract that when we bring a few examples like this it makes me realize that oh, I actually have so many experiential learning experiences in my life besides the competition without knowing it. Mm-hmm. And I remembered at the beginning you mentioned that in order for Experiential learning to really kick in in an effective way, you should have some sort of foundation. Mm -hmm. So, I'm wondering what is advised for people who are starting out? How do they stand out from the crowd or how to make a good impression?
0: Mm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, I'll answer that in a little bit of an unorthodox way. So, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it always goes back to to your why, right? So if I can reframe the question, it's like, how can you use experiential learning to your benefit, if that makes sense, right? Is that Mm -hmm. maybe one way of understanding the question?
1: Yeah. So how do you start? Yeah. How do you play it to your benefit? And how do you stand out?
0: Exactly. So one way I'll answer that is, for example, how do you start? Is you can almost create these scenarios for yourself, so what I'll say is, I'll give you an example. You know, when I was going to PACE to do my master's, I don't come from a super rich family. I need to pay for my tuition. So what I did was I went to different departments on campus and I pitched them on ideas to be a grad assistant or work in different areas of the school. So what I did was I kind of was like, don't just take my word for it. Maybe let me do a small project for you to prove that I understand these concepts and that I can add value. So I created a form of experiential learning. Now, here's a cheat code. In some of these places, I didn't really fully understand everything, but I knew by engaging in that, I would do research that would teach me a lot about it. So I'm almost killing two birds with one stone. So I remember there was this one where I pitched the whole idea of a professional experience program where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have these different courses and then we're going to work with these professors. Like I put together this whole program, but I was just doing research and coming up with it on the fly. And they were really impressed by it. And I actually was able to get a job working at Pace, which was a job that was made up. Like it wasn't an actual job that existed. They were like, you have great ideas. We have some ideas. Let's put our heads together. And so part of how I paid for grad school was, for those of you who've gone to PACE, there's a thing called the Setter's Leadership Program that started the year that I was there. We just made that up with the Dean of Students and the Director of Student Development and Campus Activities. We made up this program you know, that was made up with some foundational elements from Gallup and all these different places, and we just put it together. And that program is still running today. And I carved out my own little role based on the way I proactively put myself out there to prove myself. And so the reason I'm telling you this story is, mm-hmm. you know, I talked about the competition, time bound, you know, that feedback, all that stuff that I talked about with experiential learning. To your point, it can manifest itself in many different ways. Yeah. And it all comes down to that active role, like actually doing the thing that you're trying to talk about rather than just talking about it. Like you have to do it. You have to show something. You have to produce something and have some throughput. And so I think that answer is kind of like, how do you start? I think is you just got to do it. You know, you just got to jump in. Um, But how you stand out. Got
1: to be a go-getter, right?
0: I mean, it sounds very cliche, but you'd be surprised a lot of people who are just almost waiting for stuff to happen to them or confining themselves to predetermined routes or predetermined journeys. When it comes to interrogating your why, if there's something that you're going for and there's no clear path to get there, then create one. Right. So when it comes to experiential learning, you know, when it comes to, for example, even like you're going for an interview to a job, and let's say, you know, you're coming for an interview for a job at MindShare and you've never used SQL before, but you're a really good storyteller, you have a good head for marketing, you're very creative, but you're not very technical. So you could either read the job description and say, I'm not qualified for this job and go home and cry, or you could go online and you can say, I'm going to go and get some data set off the web. I'm going to go into web forums and learn a lot about SQL. I'm going to do a little mini project. So I'm going to apply for this job that I need to apply within the next two weeks. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to come up with this mini project where I'm going to experiment different queries with SQL, put together a nice little case, and I'm going to use that in my interview for this job. You have no experience using SQL. You've never used it on the job. You never learned it in class. I guarantee you, if someone came into the room and was very compelling with a package like that and took the initiative and put that together, I'd hire that person.
1: Golden advice right there.
0: Yeah, no lie. I'm I'm not even joking. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I
1: want everyone to take notes of this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it has to be good. I love it. <laughs> but it's but do you see my point? That's the way I would answer that question. But you
1: gotta try, you gotta put effort in, right? You gotta
0: just do it, man. You gotta just do it. And as cliche as that sounds, that is really one of the most important lessons that anybody can teach anyone, in my opinion, is just do it. And even if you fail to your point. Even if you fail, that's information. Because if, let's say, this hypothetical person comes in and they do this project and they have a lot of errors in their queries and stuff, because they don't have all the foundations, so they may make some errors. In that moment, even if I'm not hiring that person, I'm going to give them feedback. I'll be like, I love your initiative. Look into this. You did this a little bit wrong. Think about this. And so the next time they go, they have that information from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And now that next situation the probability of them getting what they're looking for is now higher. And so even your losses are your wins, like you said earlier. It is really such a simple concept, right? And so that would be my answer. I mean, just do it and create those situations for yourself. Don't just wait for someone to create experiential learning opportunities for you. Just do it yourself. Chart your own path.
1: Be a creator of your own future. Create
0: your own reality. That's my tagline. And some of my direct reports make fun of me for saying it. But I always tell people, you really do create your own reality. Obviously, there's real-world constraints and obstacles that people need to experience, and all of our obstacles are different. But like I said, no matter what, it is up to you to sort of control how you interact with that scenario. You can see an obstacle and turn around, or you can see an obstacle and run straight into it and hurt yourself. But now you know how hard that obstacle is, right? So now you come back, you get a grappling hook. You know, <laughs> you get a ladder, you know what I, I mean? I mean,
1: you are in your own simulation, so... <laughs> yeah,
0: man, just figure it out, <laughs> you know? And everyone has their own way that they can do it, but go for it.
1: And I love how you highlighted some of the out-of-the-box ideas. I think that's very valuable for our listeners to know. Where do you see the future of exponential learning, though, before we wrap this up?
0: Mm. Yes, that's a good question. So I am so passionate about this that I personally have been working on a project where when I think about the world of talent acquisition and recruiting, I think this is a specific area where experiential learning can really add a lot of value. The reason why I think that is, remember when I talked about the value exchange from experiential learning, right? There's somebody who's hosting an event or you know, creating that, whether it's a professor, right? They're trying to teach you something or trying to figure out your grades, Or there's a company that's putting on this event to figure out who they want to hire. So I really think that that second scenario is where experiential learning is going to uh, increase in its, it's going to proliferate more and it's going to be more pervasive because the stakes are higher there. When In an academic environment, it's really more performative. Versus in the world of talent acquisition.
1: About the grades.
0: Right. Like, I mean, well, the grades yeah. are, it's its something. I mean, and, and it's valuable. I do think that getting a job in the field that you're looking for is a little more higher stakes than like getting an A. Yeah. Now, someone could debate me on that. But in my opinion, I do think that there, that's where. I
1: mean, maybe not in our industry.
0: Well, I mean, if you think about our industry, right? Like in and the analytics industry, it's really hard to differentiate, especially in the STEM field it's really hard for people to stand out. So you need more metrics to make a decision because somebody can come in and say, I know how to do Python, I know how to do SQL, I'm good in Excel versus like, well, yeah. how good are you actually, right? And so in those fields where it's more tangible, I do think that experiential learning is will proliferate more. Now, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. I do think experiential learning has applications in a lot of places, especially in academia. But the reason why I'm picking on in industry is the way recruitment is done is broken. The way recruitment is done is fundamentally flawed. The way recruitment is done today is extremely inefficient and everybody knows it, but no one's doing anything about it. And I think that experiential learning can be used to do a couple things. It can be used to speed up the screening process. When it comes to this current screening processes, the way it's done is you get a pack of resumes and then you have somebody just like looking at the GPA, looking for keywords and As we all know, humans are extremely inefficient. And over time, that process becomes very laborious and becomes a bottleneck in the process. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a really long time. People who are really good at getting screened out of the process. And you start to look at arbitrary metrics to make it easier to screen. And those arbitrary things are not indicative of who's actually going to be best at the job. Right? And ask any recruiter and they will tell you they agree with me because it is the truth. So, you know, they spend so much of their time doing that and not as much time evaluating people. Like I said, it's inefficient. So experiential learning activities can be used to improve the screening process. If, for example, you had a scenario where you have an event, a case competition, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, in order to qualify for this case competition, you need to have certain criteria. You need to graduate from college, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, what I would challenge you to say is, is a college degree that that important for the person to complete the job other than a compliance issue? If it's a compliance issue, I understand, but can only people with a bachelor's can do this job? If the answer is no, remove that requirement right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm using that example to show when you do an experiential learning activity, you open the pipeline of people who can apply for something because now you can take on more people than the screening processes from before where you have to read through resumes So that's step one.
1: More diverse talents. More diverse talents,
0: right? right? And so then you do this and then you say, okay, whether it's individuals or teams or whatever, you take on diverse sets of people, a wider range of people, and then you have them engage in this competition. You have them compete. Like I said, what are the three criteria of a good experiential learning activity? There's some level of competition you're providing criteria for what is needed to be good at completing the task. And then there is some level of, it's time bound or there's some level of like constraint on like how long they have to complete it. So if you do that and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this case up front, I'm going to tell them, this is what I need for you to provide to complete the case well. And then you give them two weeks, one week, whatever they come and present, then you just pick the stars and you will be very surprised that some of the people who are able to complete those tasks may not have the criteria that you were using in your screening process. And that's why experiential learning is really important because that's self-discovery. That person may not have a bachelor's, but they will go and do some research to compete in this activity and end up articulating themselves better than somebody who has a bachelor's, somebody who had the information, but maybe didn't have the skills. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is it opens you up to more diverse talent. It decreases screening time. Yeah, And, It allows you to identify people who you want to recruit at scale and to do that fast. And so that's why I think that, you know, I'm actually working on a project right now and it's going to launch soon. It's basically a company to be able to set up a software or platform for organizations to be able to do this at scale, where we'll help them with setting up these types of events, interacting with the talent And so that way we'll attract the job seekers as well as recruiters into the same environment and then have them engage in this activity and just walk them through the process, make it efficient for them to do this. And I honestly think it can revolutionize the way talent acquisition is done. And the reason why I know this is I've talked with senior leaders in my organization and they're like, we've been talking about this for years. So what I'm saying is not something new. It's something that people have already known. It's just that we haven't had a centralized platform to do this at scale. Because people are doing it in pockets and doing it in uh, piecemeal. What I'm thinking of is doing this at scale. And so I'm really passionate about it. I'll talk more about it in subsequent podcasts and give more information.
1: Yeah, I think what you just said is exactly what experiential learning is. Because you yourself have participated in an industry where hiring process is broken. You were part of the process. And what you gain is, even though the industry failed at hiring diverse talents, through that, you actually gain information Mm -hmm. and come up with a solution to solve the problem. And I love that. I think that's just a perfect way to wrap up our episode today about experiential learning because that cannot be a better example of experiential learning, in my opinion.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, I love this topic. It's really important. And like what you talked about with diversity and opportunities for more people. Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like if you have a system where access to opportunities is limited, that system is not going to be the most efficient. When you have a system where you can take on more diverse inputs, more diverse talent, it's always going to be a better system. And that has been proven, right? So experiential learning, you know, just kind of summarize my thoughts about it is, is important, not just because of what you get from it, but what it represents. What it represents is giving people an opportunity. You know, I look back to my situation where I used an experiential learning activity to get a job. I wasn't a home run candidate. If I had put my resume in the pack of resumes, I don't think I would have gotten through. And I did okay in school, but like I didn't have all the things I needed. Mm-hmm. But that opportunity helped me to gain a platform to show myself in a different light. When I was given the information about what is, was needed to be successful and I use that as a roadmap to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And it's worked wonders for my career. And so I'm really passionate about creating those opportunities for other people. Those people who don't know that they're unicorns or don't know that they're diamonds, but to offer them different scenarios to compete and show themselves and interact with other people and see the world in different ways, I think it's such a transformational thing. I honestly believe that people embracing this is going to revolutionize academics, revolutionize mm-hmm. education, revolutionize education revolutionize the way we do talent acquisition
1: that's brilliant it can
0: change a lot of things because it goes down to that meritocracy about giving people a shot and having them prove themselves rather than setting up artificial barriers based on what we think makes sense rather than what actually works right love it even things like our company just got rid of the requirement for a bachelor's degree to get a job within WPP massive massive move Mm -hmm. Because there's people in certain communities who haven't had access to certain types of education. And now they're just shut out from proving themselves, even if they're good at it. So things like experiential learning activities can open it up to people like that, who can come in and if they can do the job, because I'm not saying put people in a job who can't do the job. I'm just saying prove yourself. And if they can do it, then they get the opportunity. So you know, I'm really passionate about it. I think it's a really important subject, and I appreciate you bringing it up for us to discuss. And it was a great conversation, so thank you.
1: It is truly my passion to talk about this topic as well because I cannot tell you how many people that have come to me and tell me they're concerned about grades in school. And what I always tell them is to focus on real skills that you can actually apply to the job, how you can sell yourself in the interview get your hands dirty in doing the work and use that in your resume instead of relying on your GPA.
0: Absolutely. Great advice.
1: (laughs) So you you have been given so many great advice that I feel like we should actually list out all of this advice that you already touched on today in one post to share with everyone on social media. Because again, we always ran over time. But what I love about our conversation is that, you know, when I started this episode today, I came with the mindset that this would be helpful for people who are still in school, like students, and maybe people who are looking for a job, thinking about the next step in their career. And it turned out that this actually has been so helpful for, I think, even people at your level to start thinking about how we can give back to our younger talents to bring more diverse talents into the company. How can we evolve experiential learning? How can we expand opportunities? So, yeah, I love how our conversations unfolded throughout the time. And thank you so much for your time. I know that you um, did not feel well the past couple of days. And I really appreciate that you actually make the time to be on our podcast again today. And thank you to our listeners. If you have any questions about experiential learning, or career advice, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at Blooming Crisis on social media or bloomingcrisis at gmail.com. Follow us and subscribe to our podcast to get updates on our new episodes as well as weekly inspirations. Have a wonderful day and thank you so much, Iketi.
0: Thank you. This was fun.
1: (laughs) Cheers.